Welcome to Before Showtime with Connor Marcello. This is Connor speaking. And this is Marcello speaking. And yesterday was my birthday at the time of this recording. Whoa, happy birthday, Con God. Yes, I April 22nd, I share a birthday with Jack Nicholson, and I got a few nice gifts. I got a few uh, Turner Classic Movies coffee table books that I'm going to dive deep into, and even a couple of Criterion Blu-rays. So I also got the Jaws Log by Carl Gottlieb. Wow, that's really cool. One of the, supposedly one of the ultimate books about filmmaking and about the film. Um, I'm kind of ashamed at myself for not having read this, so I'm definitely going to give that a dive. And I also got two Criterion Blu-rays, Seven Samurai and Double Indemnity. Wow, both really, I haven't seen Seven Samurai, unfortunately, but Double Indemnity is one of the, one of the top film noirs noirs. of the time speaking of which speaking of which one of the books i got was um dark city the lost city of film noir a turn classical movies coffee table book by uh tcm host eddie muller there's a whole section on double indemnity in this film yeah in this book my mistake someone someone knows what they're doing with their free time that's a good use dude um Yep. What what else did you do special? Just like have dinner with the folks for your 19th birthday? Yeah, my mother and uncle and my sister came down to D.C. and we had some lovely chicken parmesan. It's awesome, Connor. Well, we're going to do our episode today on Bo is Afraid, which is recently released, which is the new Ari Aster, Joaquin Phoenix movie that is out. Uh, let's just dive right in, Connor. Can you give a little backstory to what Bo, Bo is Afraid is about? Okay, where to begin? Um, the the basic like log line of the picture is that Joaquin Phoenix is this kind of perpetually afraid and paranoid man named Bo who is visiting his mother, and he goes on essentially this epic Kafka esque, disturbing, horrifying, hilarious, bizarro, epic odyssey to just see his mom um Ari Aster himself describes it as a Jewish Lord of the Rings which if anything that piqued my interest even further yeah this movie it's not really one you can you can't really sum it up even like in a couple sentences because it is so as you said surreal dreamlike I don't know if something's happening on screen is real or if it's a dream or if it's something else, a hallucination. It's it's a crazy time in the theater. I will come out and say that. What yeah, what did you I, think, Connor? Like overall thoughts? I I was pretty speechless by the end of this. I this is certainly I knew going in that this was going to be such a polarizing film. Um, a love it or hate it one, if anything. I, I'm definitely in the love it crowd. This is probably my favorite of the year so far. I was really, really just taken by the whole experience of seeing this film. It was, I think, the only Ari Aster film I saw in the theater. In fact, I got to see it on, at a fan-first screening at the AMC in Georgetown in IMAX. Packed showing. Wow, not a not like a we, single seat. Got, not a single seat yeah. open. yeah. And we got shirts. Wow. What what do the shirts look like? Um, they're basically like the Bose gray shirt from the whole film, and it just has like his name on it. That's that's so. It's cool. still a fun little souvenir. No, yeah, the free free merchandise. Yeah, free merchandise for anything. I'll take it personally. I have to come out and say this: this movie 
took me through a a journey that I didn't know I was going to be going on for that three hour time period. And yeah, you don't know where this thing is going to go. I don't, I don't know if I'm at the, like, I'm at the point where I love this movie, but I, I think it's a great film. I think it's a really, really solid time to put into perspective. I gave it a four out of five on Letterboxd. So that's a, I give it a five. That's around where I'm at with it because yeah, maybe it's going to be one of those that I think about it more and I and I start to like it more, yeah, right? Because it feels like it's definitely I've only seen it once. I am definitely seeing it a second and possibly third time just to dive so deep into all the layers of this picture, all the the symbolism of it and just the way that Ari Aster just creates this this nightmare world. It's it, it's 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 a three-hour trip worth going on. Certainly, I I'm I don't even need to ask this. I think he took some narcotics while writing this movie. <laughs> I, I I don't know which ones per se, but yeah. it, it's hard to believe that he wrote this sober yeah. completely. For for context, this is Ari Aster's third feature film. He directed the two excellent horror pictures, Hereditary and Midsummer for A twenty four, which. I, I, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen them. They're at this point. At this point, they're like somewhat modern classics, and they really established his name in the horror genre. That being said, Ari Aster definitely, especially with this film, seems to be trying to deviate from that label, and he he's branching out, and that's why I really part of why I respect him for it. And because when I first saw it announced, I thought it was going to be a little more like horrific, although this does like have horrific elements to it. It's ostensibly a fantastical black comedy. Yeah, I don't I don't and see this as a horror movie, Connor. I don't no, know. Yeah. No, I don't say so. And it's basically this is what happens. This movie is what happens when you give Ari Aster... 35 to 40 million dollars a24's biggest budget to date and get him to do whatever the fuck he pleases and it is a oh it's it's a ride i'm okay with it that he got 35 mil to do what three hours and and three hours too originally it was announced as being a four-hour rough cut which again i can just only imagine how if this is like as far as he can go with the three-hour cut, like imagine how the four-hour cut is. I know. I would definitely. I would not be opposed to seeing like a midsummer like director's cut of this. Yeah, I have to say that, like you were, you kind of already mentioned this. The runtime but, didn't really bother me, like it did a lot of people. But this is by far his boldest work to come out out of oh, out yeah. of his three films. Uh, but at the same time, I have a feeling it's not going to be as accessible as his other ones. Weirdly. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! It's it's easily it is. I can. I don't know if I'd like recommend this film to everyone as much as I would even recommend those films because this is such a swing. It is a without a doubt. This is without a doubt an art house picture. It is not a main. It's not made for mainstream audiences. It is. It's it's a bold swing. It I've heard it compared to well I I it a lot of times this film reminded me of I'm thinking of ending things but somehow like a lot, first of all a lot funnier 
and like somehow even more bizarre so that should probably give you an idea of what it's like and i've also heard compared to films like mother or even babylon in terms of just it being a big budget swing by um one of the big modern american directors and being like very inaccessible and bizarre and just falls to the wall just pure just everything including the kitchen sink yeah and And i can definitely see it alienating a lot of viewers it is not for everyone yeah and for those that haven't seen the trailer maybe which like if you haven't like just go watch it it's a really good trailer Um, yeah it's not bad it doesn't it doesn't show a whole lot yeah but something to know is like it does have to do with themes of like pharmaceutical drugs so when it does get trippy in my opinion, it wasn't super random, which I liked. Like, it actually had a plot point and a reasoning to it. Yeah, the surrealism with this film, when it dives into it, it goes head first, just full-on David Lynch into it, and it's just gorgeous at times. There's this, we'll just be, tell it more in the spoiler section, but there's an, halfway through the film, there's a whole animated section of the film where the only live actors are Joaquin Phoenix and a couple others and it's just you've seen a little bit of it in the trailers it is just stunning to look at that was it was it was particularly hypnotic just to see it in the theater and, and in IMAX this is a movie like you have to see in a theater yeah I, I watched it in a, it. in an AMC and unfortunately at my theater it wasn't very crowded so Please go out it, and support. Was it an IMAX? It, it was an IMAX. It was a standard like AMC showing, but oh. still like six people in the IMAX's entire theater, idea. and me and my brother are are two of the six. Is it's just not a good turnout. Yeah, I thought I I thought so because this, given that's thirty five million and it's such a swing, probably even bigger than say like just I'd say like as big as Mother maybe. This. This is gonna lose money. I'm definitely, I definitely see this getting like an F on Cinema Score. I've heard stories about like audience member. Thankfully, not my screening, but I've heard stories in some reviews of audience members like straight up. I've heard like ten walkouts out of some screenings and like people shouting, somebody shouting out during the screening like this movie fucking sucks. Well, it, it's not accessible. Like, the plot is really tough to follow, I must yeah, say. Yeah, I can see people hating this film. But if you like movies that are not are, are super introspective, right, and are super even existential at times and talk about, you know, generally universal themes, right? There's a huge component yeah, when it comes to it is. his relationship with a family member in the movie, which we will go into in the spoiler section. Yeah, because the 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 spoiler section is going to take up the large chunk of this episode because this is a film that need that warrants maybe even like multiple like spoiler discussions it's even like it i'm going to be honest so with you car it's hard dense. to talk about this movie without even spoiling something because it's just such a it's such a deep dive movie into the yeah it's a the mental state of bo yeah and i was if you're going again if you're if you're going into this expecting a horror film, expecting something really just like I can't sleep at night, terrifying like Midsummer Hereditary, you'll come out you'll come out disappointed. Yeah, it's more yeah, it's not a horror movie, guys. I it's a black know. comedy. Yeah. 
we do have to say this, uh, Connor. Joaquin Phoenix yeah. is incredible in the movie. My God. As usual. Like, I think saying honestly saying this is one of joaquin phoenix's better works i don't know if this even means much because like everything he does is like one of his best works he walks lately. on a set and it's already like we already got something on our hands i'm not yeah, even kidding and he's and he's he's certainly a character in this film he his character we'll talk about it more in the spoiler section again but his character again is like we kind of feel his just kind of what at every situation that he ends up in and we just feel his like perpetual fear of of pretty much everything and anything around him and it is he captures that so well and it's just he's so funny in the so funny dude he was he was like when he's so but he's just like waking up in at at, uh at amy ryan nathan lane's house he's just like am i that what? Or how about that part, Connor, where he's in a bathtub and he looks above him and there's a there's a special is... guest, dude. There's a special guest. Yes. Oh my god, dude. Yes, this 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 movie is it it was my my audience in particular, like during the first hour of the film, were just having such a ball with it and they they were hooting and laughing throughout it and and with the film yeah and like it's 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 a funny film and something to mention too is joaquin phoenix does not get a break in this movie my no. god they are just no, he... going through the ringer with this bow character yeah especially compared to and it, and, and it did it in such a way that's like not overly pitying almost like with with joker you like kind of like okay they're clearly trying to, to get us to feel really sorry for this guy but like automatically when you see Bo, you just the very first one of the first scenes of the film is him like going back to his his ratty apartment and then having to hear this loud music next to him and not get any sleep and then get an important item stolen from him and so you're like, again, this dude cannot catch a break. Yeah, I'd be genuinely God. surprised if somebody from New York thought this was a bad movie because I think no. I think it, it really gets it right when it comes to living in an apartment with roommates hint, that you hint. don't know. Yeah, hint, hint, birthday boy stab man. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Some of the characters that were like side characters it, were tr were so weird. It's dude. memorable. So weird. It's like and when the first time the first time you see him like going to his going to his place you see like 15 different like almost side plots going on in one minute because there's so much there're like hundreds of extras each like seems like new characters and if i recall correctly Ari Aster actually made character bios for every character in Hereditary before while writing the script, and so that kind of informed him his writing of that. I would not be surprised if he did something similar just for the extras in this movie. Yeah, there were when there were just the... so many. Like, and that's probably where some of that budget went. Right, is just getting those scenes yeah, down like in an authentic way. I have to say this: there's this small little uh, story I heard from Ari Aster speaking with Joaquin Phoenix on the A24 podcast. And mm. it was essentially one of the first days of shooting 
Joaquin Phoenix is on set next to his suitcase and is doing something that he thinks is in character, right? But is not in the script. And Aster comes up to Phoenix. Like Adler. Yeah, and, and Aster comes up to Phoenix and is like all giddy about it. And Joaquin literally tells him like, hey, are you are you going to be like this the whole time where like everything I do, you're just going to say it's like solid gold, like acting? Is that what it's going to be like? He even was like kind of challenging the director to a certain level of you can't just always say i'm good when i'm doing something different and i think i have to say astra got pushed by this performance in this movie because it yes it is i would say out of all of his films the most character centric right i mean his name is yeah this isn't this is an actor director collab if there was one because i feel like they're both like kind of the forces behind behind Bo is afraid and they both like I don't I don't I, I don't think I can really imagine anyone else playing Bo honestly that's how good he like is in was, the role dude you walk him. out of the movie and you're like yep there was nobody better for that part yeah I I like bought him 100% as like this kind of like aloof slightly aloof but troubled character and it, it's the from what I recall, I actually listened to another interview that this time was with uh, Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan, who play the the, the military family that take Bo in after after an accident happens. They talked about how Ari Aster, even though there was so much written and done for the film, he still did allow some improvisation, and I think a lot, he became a little more flexible with that when he got. Joaquin Phoenix because he is such a known method actor and is like kind of again willing to do whatever it takes to get into character he for me Connor is probably a top five working actor right now I'm I'm not even kidding I think every time like you said he does a film it is a must watch film I'm not even kidding yeah he always even if it's a like a picture I don't really care for it's never his doing yeah like i always still like believe him in that part i have to say this as well aster visually speaking this is a little bit different than his other work i must say yeah even though it's like just as incredible looking and sounding i think visually i don't think he's directed better i think that on a visual standpoint alone this is his best directed picture yeah technically it's just an astonishing film and this is part of the reason why i saw it in imax yeah like as soon as i saw the opening scene and like heard it coming out of all the sound coming out of all the speakers because uh the very first scene of the film which is of Bo being born basically from his pov another uh first of all like a very strange way to an already very strange way to start a film that i, I, was, I will say I this though like, i will say this andrew dominic can learn some lessons from ari Aster on how to show somebody giving birth and not make it so traumatizing to watch exploited it yeah. yeah and plus this is already like kind of a, a like a mock mock scary scene and i was as soon as i saw that in imax and with the surround system i was just like 
I knew this was going to be... And then the title just suddenly comes up. I was just like, this is going to be a trip. One of the first moments where I realized, like, this sound design is going to be A1 in this movie. This film sounds fantastic. Like, if, even if you, like, end up watching it at home, like, listen to it with surround sound. It, it helps. Definitely. Well, do you have any other thoughts besides, like, just to get in before the spoiler section? Uh... I think I, I said a lot of what I wanted yeah. to say at first because we are going to dive deep. We're going hard on Bo's Afraid, guys. It's one of those movies. You got to. Deep. All right. Well, I will say this as a final thing before we go into spoilers. Um, the camera, the camera work on this is exquisite. Long shots, dolly shots, anything you can think of but done to a point that is not distracting which i always freaking yeah love that's movies. that's what i always liked about re's stuff like even from hereditary like there were parts where i didn't when um we first see uh ann dowd's character um introducing her like like apparition powers to to tony collette like i did not know that that scene was going to be i did not know until it ended, until it caught that it was going to be one take. Yeah, no, it was and it was like without thing. a doubt, without a doubt, like he has Kubrick in him, stylistically, hundred percent, and in terms of just the swings he's willing to take, and and his perfectionism, from what I recall, because in some, in an interview, obviously he didn't go to nearly the extremes, but he was willing to go to based on the. Um, interview with uh nathan lane at, on the next Best picture podcast check them out he talked about how they were willing to he was willing to do a lot of takes and eventually but he didn't like do it to the point where he was trying to torment the actors and he basically said later on like when he talked to nathan lane he was saying like don't focus as much on the lines as much as you are focusing on the fact that this character is gonna like say whatever he can to keep Bo in his house and that was the direction he gave great direction i must say and something to note too this movie was supposed to be released in 2022 and aster felt like it wasn't ready yet so he held off the movie for yeah. a year just to get it right in his vision which i think is always the yeah. way to go right yeah, I really, I really give kudos to A24 for giving, I, I don't know if it was the most savvy financial move, but it was certainly, it was certainly such a commendable decision from them to actually like give money and financing to a, to something that was like this big of a swing. Definitely. And did you know, Connor, that this movie was originally supposed to be his debut, but he just couldn't get the financing yeah, for it? Yeah, as a matter of fact... He made a short film titled Bo as kind of a proof of concept for it. And a lot of the Honestly, scenes a lot of the scenes in that script is in this were, movie. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I don't know how this could be a debut feature. I, I think I think even like something something like hereditary, I guess could be a debut feature, but like even then, like, wow what a debut. Like he already had his style, like in like he already wore his style like a glove like first off so confident with his that was a moment where i was like this guy's this guy's gonna go on to this guy's already gone on to greatness and i 
plus I don't know how this film Bo is Afraid could get made without already like one or two successful films under his belt. I can see yeah, why no I can way. see why this wasn't the debut because my god, no. how do you wrap your head around some of these concepts? This this had to have been at the very least a third feature. Yeah. At least a third feature. I agree. Well, spoiler section. So this is this is dies. a warning, guys. If you haven't seen Bo's Afraid, please go watch it and support it. It needs your help. It really does. Um, yeah, it's. We think it's gonna lose money. Prediction. prediction I think. It I think won't. we know it's gonna lose money. Yeah, but it's it's worth going, guys. Trust me. Okay. Spoiler section starting now. Connor, we need to just talk about that ending first, right? Let's just let's just dive in. What happened there? One and like, how did you interpret it? Did it happen for real? Like, what do you think? I, oh my god, where to really begin with this? Because I'll, I'll give, we should probably not discuss the ending until a little, a little later on. Okay, where, where do you want to take it first, the convo? Where do you want to take it? Because first of all, he, as soon, the very first, one of the first, the first moment of the film where he, where Bo is born, and you can already like give a sense get a sense of the very troubled relationship he has with his mother played by patty lapone who is it doesn't show up on screen until much later but is probably just as good as Phoenix she's dynamite dude. she's part. dynamite in the movie oscar worthy in it even though i know it's going to get nothing i she's fantastic in it but as soon as you see that opening and like you hear like Bo get accidentally getting dropped, she's like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Is he? He's not crying anymore. Is he still alive?" And you can already sense that, like at at first, like it kind of seems normal, but then like you kind of get a, you already get a sense of like a an overprotective parent right away. Yeah, this, and this movie Connor could have Bo's paranoia. This movie could have been called Mommy Issues, the movie because Yep. This is Also could have been called Yeah. It also could have been called Hereditary. <laughs> it also could have been called Ari Aster likes to go into family dramas, question mark, definitely. Yeah. But yeah, dude, the the mother the, the mother component the in this movie, that's when it started to finally click into place the pieces because i for the first hour i did not know what the hell like we were yeah doing. it's like what? but in a good way i i have to say this movie i did not know where it was gonna go next by each no scene. this is not predict even if you don't like the movie you can't exactly call it predictable not at all let's let's go into that that new york apartment sequence in the beginning because it's insane our, dude. i want to I, first of all i want to mention before that i want to mention um the very first thing the very first interaction that Bo has with another person, which is with his therapist, played very well by uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson, who later becomes a villainous present. I don't know. He, in a few minutes later, he already becomes a villainous presence. He writes down as he's as Bo is talking to him. He writes down the word guilty, which at first, at first, like you could already think, like okay, he's he's talking Bo is talking to him he's talking about how he's feeling guilty about his relationship with his mother but then later on you finally understand it the meat the, that it like means guilty as in he's feeling guilty but also that he's guilt like he's he has to plead guilty like later literally we'll, we'll plead guilty. Dive, yeah later on we'll we'll dive into that um 
when he when he goes into his apartment, you already see all this random, seemingly random, but also uh, this is another this is another reason why I think I need to view this film a second time because there are so many like little details. Like, yeah, do you, right off do you remember bat. like in the beginning all this crazy graffiti on the wall? Yeah, he has he has some really interesting. Language. Yeah, he has some in, really interesting set design in his apartment, including the fact that it it doesn't look like a ship hole, which I was like expecting. It actually looks like okay. At, like at first, yeah, at, except for the graffiti. Yeah, and then for yeah, people know because they're in the spoiler section. People just storm his place because he props the door open, yeah, including with a phone book, in, right? Yeah, including birthday boy stab man, iconic character who stabs him, and then he, and then oh my god, he almost he, he it's almost like he becomes the birthday boy stab man, but not a killer because he like after oh my god, this is one of the funniest and most bizarre moments of the movie when he we don't know if it's a vision or not because we see. Right after Bo calls his mom, like, re- like regretfully, he, in a very, in a, already a very, like, cringeworthy moment, his therapist shows up on his bathroom ceiling and jumps into his bathtub, and and then Bo ends up running around naked, getting stabbed by the birthday stab man. Yeah, dude, remember when he's drowning, the, too, in the bathtub, because the guy oh and him God. are having a tussle? And also, there's a spider that was on the dude's face that lands in the bathtub, so that becomes a whole thing, yeah. too. It's an awesome scene. It's an awesome scene. Yeah. Um, and, like, of course, he gets into the accident, and then he ends up at this military family, this, like, super, like, the kind of bourgeois, upper-middle class, like, at first seemingly idyllic home and and the, of course the parents are Amy Ryan and Nathan Lane both of whom are also excellent really really good supporting he, cast here. he ends up in in their um troubled daughters room as and with a with a a device on his foot after he's been for the rest of the movie he's he has Bo has all these injuries on his yeah cuz like, Amy Ryan body. hit him really really hard with her truck in the middle of yeah. his scene where he's running naked yeah really <laughs> liked like, i actually really liked that part connor when uh amy ryan or amy yeah amy ryan amy, ryan. amy ryan's character she ex- explains to Bo like what happened and then it cuts to the stab guy like stabbing Bo in the hand like 10 times i thought it was a really really comedic way to cut the scene yeah what and like at first you like when you first see them they're like oh they're on surface level they like seem like this at first like kind kindly like friendly military very religious family their kid dies ends up dying in the war so that's like basically they're almost their like claim to fame but to Bo and to the audience they're like just as fucked up as ever, anyone else because they have They're they so are they have <laughs> they have because this was also a theme that was kind of expanded upon from Ari Aster's short film um the thing about the Johnsons because that deconstruction of that sub that idyllic suburbia 
turned basically turned into this like again a malformed nightmare with with a disturbed adopted son who they're keeping captive the whole time and ends up chasing Bo. That as actor well as too, a, Connor. That yeah. actor's in Inglorious Bastards in the beginning. Really? He's the he's the farm owner in the beginning. Do you remember? Oh wow. Yeah. So he's come yeah. a long way. Uh, I will say this, dude. The the crazy like siblings Bo had to deal with were pretty freaking interesting. Besides yeah, the him, daughter, the too. daughter, dude. Oh my, dude. That scene where I she drank drink, the paint. Drink paint with me, dude, and then and that then, was insane. And then, and then Amy Ryan accuses him of of murdering her. She just it's, starts it, at first. It's chugging so the paint. She, she starts chugging the paint. And Bo's like screaming, and it cuts to Amy Ryan like going into the room and just you seeing her daughter. Her. her daughter's dead from drinking paint. It's wild. In fact, there was actually when fun fact in in that interview with uh, Nathan Lane, um, he actually mentions that there was actually a line cut from the film, and when they are complaining about the daughter and like Bo and um. <laughs> Because she's always screaming at Bo and like has and hates him, she's again like a also like a borderline sociopath. She she Nathan Lane said this line, um, which was cut from the film because it was so mean. He was like, "The wrong kid died." Whoa, yeah, that is a <laughs> that is a dagger blow, if I have to say. Yeah, um, she also has a very iconic scene i must say where she makes Bo take some i don't know if it's weed mixed with something else but definitely yeah forces Bo to smoke something him in the car and and they're uh, the family's like all like oh you can go home anytime they want but deep down they like they they want to keep him there yeah he takes he takes a fat hit too i remember because remember, yeah. at first he does a little one. She's like, actually do it for real. And if you don't, I will accuse you of like sexually assaulting us. And I was like, oh my god. That's a way to get somebody to do something. But Yeah. And then he proceeds to take like the fattest Bo, hit from the from the blunt. Once again, Bo have. cannot catch a break. This entire movie, cannot catch I, a I, break. I actually don't think there's a single break in this entire movie for Bo. No, nothing good happens to him. Because then right after that, really? right? After, like, daughter drinks, or daughter makes him smoke and then drinks a ton of paint and dies, he gets lost in a forest, essentially, and starts watching a play that's being commenced by a theater group in the forest. Do you want to explain? In the forest, too. Um, but before that, we even get we get some flashbacks between him and his mother. True, and, that's very important. And and younger Bo, which, by the way, ingenious piece of marketing. Because everyone thought, because the very first poster of the film was of younger Bo, and everyone assumed, oh, it's, it's a, it thought it was AI generated or de-aging. Turns out that's a different actor playing young teenage Bo. And looks he, exactly he likes, like Joaquin. The face yeah, he looks everything. it's so uncanny and kinda creepy that he looks so much so much like Joaquin. And he we see him in first in this flashback sequence where he is with his mother on a cruise ship and then meets his meets his childhood crush and and he's still like kind of being a little controlled by his mother 
in a respect. Hundred percent. And 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 this the, his crush, her character, who her photo by the way is seen early on in the film, is interesting. She very interesting. She's, she comes she into play calls, later, right? She calls her mother. Yeah, she calls her mother cunt, and she's and she's like, oh, somebody died in the pool. <laughs> so it's nonchalant. In another so very. Although, when that happens, she does, like, announce it to everyone on the ship and, like, kind of alert everyone to it. So, at least there's at least there's that. But, like, she's definitely a much... I think what attracts Bo to her is that she's a much less repressed character because she's, like, willing to, like, yell and cuss and, like, say things... And, like, call chocolate liquid shit... And... She, she's got a little bit of quirkiness to her, right? Clearly, and yeah, Bo's that that typical Bo's... kid that's so introverted that can't really say much, right? Yeah, because he's he's so quiet, and that like kind of almost like he almost like wants to be with someone who's like more of an insider, while while also while also still having a pervert, almost a perverse relationship with his mother too. Like almost, implied. almost, uh, yeah. There's a, there's this term, yeah. I think it's actually for if with when it comes to mothers, it's called the Electra complex, uh, because mm. father. It's usually Oedipal is when it comes with the father, right? I'm pretty sure, but it's usually I think Oedipus is usually with the mother. it's with the mother. I could be wrong here, but yeah, he definitely has some incestuous kind of uh, energy with the mother. I would say, yeah, because he's so they he. The mother and Mona and Bo are so particularly attached. And my ad, the mother, uh, Mona Wasserman, um, is like a multi-billionaire, like, like super like venture capitalist. What is she, the company like? Because I I, MW. I, under, I understood it as a pharmaceutical mixed with like we also sell microwavable meals. But they basically, it seems like they control almost everything. Everything Bo buys is basically from her. She's she's Amazon, Google. I think I think Apple. her. She's very closely aligned with Amazon, the company. Yeah, because and that like even alienates Bo further. And might I add, the MW logo is both at the beginning of the trailers, at the beginning of the film. And it was advertised like it was this actual production company that made the movie. And in one of the most ingenious pieces of marketing for a movie I've ever seen, they even made a fake website for it. I didn't know that. That basically said like, that basically like had clouds in the backgrounds and a very like, like overly, overly jaunty slogan. And it was just like, wait until April and guess what? It was the release date of the movie. Damn. Yeah, they, the marketing was pretty good, I must say. Like, I, I'm not going to think that this movie does bad because the marketing was bad. I think it's more because of the subject matter that we're dealing with. Um, yeah, and because it's such a heady movie. Yeah, we need to we need to go into the to the forest sequence of this film because in yeah. my personal opinion, Connor, when it does that part where he starts living his entire <laughs> life and having like three sons and they get and like almost having almost having this like I basically having like this is almost like the way he thinks he should be going. Like, that part, this is like that the part in life. particular when it mixes animation with 
real life, you know, video. It it's was a lengthy. Sequence. It was my favorite part of the movie by far. It is beautiful. I, I, I was watching it and I was unsure how he pulled it off. Uh, like while I was watching, it, I'm like, oh my god, because it does have it, it does have influences uh, from. I don't know if you've ever seen Dreams by Akira Kurosawa. By Kurosawa, which is a movie Scorsese actually makes a cameo in as Vincent Van Gogh. I know. Yeah. Very similar. Um, the color, the color, and the set design for Dreams. I would say. Yeah, it's such a surreal sequence, and might I add, in a um, Criterion Closet video, he actually. He cited, um, Ari Aster actually cited a, I forget what the name of the film was, but it was a, I think a, I think it was a French film that had a similar like combination of live action and animation that, and like picturesque looking visuals that influenced like almost, he almost, I think completely ripped that scene in Bo is Afraid. Yeah, it's it's possible, dude. Cause I don't I don't know how how did he pull it off, Connor? It was so impressive, because to put it into context, the the setting changes as Joaquin walks, right, in a single take. So you're clearly gonna have to use some sort of blue or green screen. But my God, it looked great. The vi- yeah, the visual didn't... effects artists need some props here because it they almost, did awesome. It looked like it almost almost. In all honesty, it almost looked like something out of Powell and Pressburger movie from the 40s, like with that big Technicolor look, like the red shoes, Matter of Life and Death, Tales of Hoffman, that where the effects are so obvious that it actually adds to the surreal experience of it. And it just, it was really something to experience in the theater. And what was, and, what was interesting too is the person narrating the whole thing I I interpreted it as it was his mother, and she was yeah just not like physically embodiment. Like I don't know even because I don't know if she was physically there at the theater, but it was definitely his mom narrating. Like, she was. What she's been. the mother, even though we don't see her face until until like we see the flashback scenes, which is a different actress than Patty Lapone. We the younger mother. We she's still such a she's essentially the presence throughout this film and that main antagonist like, goes for to sure. show her she that goes to show her her like almost like norma bates like pres omnipresence in his life because like he's almost like everything is that he does is to please her essentially yeah and oh my god he has trouble doing that to say to say the very least um and even even in the forest even in the forest again Bo can't catch a break uh, an assassin w- with a machine gun, like straight up, just tries to kill him. Yeah, and doesn't that that scene gets insane? So the the play finishes, right, it's Connor? Fun. And there's a whole chase sequence with him and like an assassin on foot that has a bulletproof vest and like he throws knives at him and stuff. It's it goes crazy. Yeah, this. Yeah, and we've we've already, and this is already like almost two thirds of the way through too yeah so so this is so then after that he gets knocked out because i think a grenade kind of like gets close to him and he fa- he falls unconscious right and he wakes yeah, up again and he wakes up right and he he's like i do not know what just happened and what do you want to explain <laughs> do you want to explain to the audience what happens connor yeah eventually he ends up going to his end up ends up going to a house where he 
she is seen earlier on in the film, but as Parker Posey, but as his uh, his childhood sweetheart, he previously sees her in a newscast, and that causes him to to vomit on the daughter's computer to a to her chagrin, and he sees her at this giant house, and he finds out that she worked for for his mother, Mona Wasserman, because he sees. Well, actually, I might, for context, this is supposed to be the funeral home, actually, for for the for Bo's mother. Yeah, because Bo's the... mom, like, she essentially staged her death to have a chandelier cut off her head, is what we're tro- yes, trying to Yes, early on, and then, and then that, that's what ends up sending Bo into a frenzy, essentially yeah and then so he goes to the funeral everyone's like you know just doing funeral things. everyone just left yeah and pretty he, he kind of just and sits there like alone for most there. of it right and then he like kind of looks around the house as her favorite song plays and then he sees um sees um his childhood sweetheart um elaine her, her her picture now is now she's older now she's parker posey in in a photo of all a collage of all the workers for her company and that's what and then she comes which back to which the house, might i add has it has the amy ryan and the nathan lane character in those photos i i remember seeing them yeah essentially all this is when we start to realize that all of these characters end up being like essentially the mother's puppets mm-hmm. that she kind of like exploits to work for her for her brand and like in Bo's life yeah and we should probably mention but one of the riskiest sex scenes i've seen in a minute in cinema yeah because the thing is for context um he you've already seen the film so you know this um um his mother constantly basically tells him like i'm so sorry for what your daddy put on to like passed on to you and it turns out to be that if he this is part of why he's so sexually repressed now is that he is he now assumes that if you ejaculate you die because that's what he that's what she that's the way she tells him her dad his dad died and essentially and this is why like when parker posey comes on to him when elaine comes on to him she after they rekindle, she, like, kind of tries to assure him that he's not going to die, and Bo is terrified throughout the scene. And when, and then, and then, and then he, and then when he finally climaxes, he, he's like, oh, for a moment, and then he realizes that it was actually passed on to her. She ends up dying after ejaculation, and but the the way this is shot, though, it's kind of it's horrifying, but also so fucking hilarious. Because it's, it's just a like, long scene, Connor. It's like a three just, minute sex scene, right? Yeah, and she just like and, and when she dies, she's just like staying still. And then when these other like little puppets of hers like kind of have to these uh, carry out the body, it's basically like it's still as a statue. Yeah, no, and she... it's like creates such a trippy visual where they're less like you carry out the body and that's just it's it's like still in rigor mortis. Yeah, you can actually see too if you look closely it's that Parker so Posey's eyes after she dies in the movie is the same as the the young girl that drank the paint earlier. The same kind of look. Oh wow! Death. 
which probably means like yeah. the mother is responsible for multiple deaths in the movie, right? Yeah, because like given that she is a, this is goes to into Ari Aster's like pretty biting critique of like corporate capitalism here that like she essentially has like these deaths on the mother has these deaths on her hands along with baby the father yeah and also too like i i know we've said this before but i knew like once the sex scene was going on i could not tell like parker posey was gonna die during the climax like i i was just so thrown into the ringer for that i thought like bo was probably gonna like probably gonna like like stop it after but like right before he comes because he's so he's so because he's so scared that he's gonna die he's going to basically fuck to death yeah as his mother has told him and then that it turns out to essentially be the opposite um and and of course his mother does show up at the house unannounced and like knows that all this had happened unbeknownst to Bo, like she is essentially now the she's the master of it all and then it well she does this too which is like something we gotta dive into because it has some trippy imagery is she tosses him in the attic remember after killing parker posey's character yeah and the thing is there is a this is actually foreshadowed early on in the film in there's a flashback scene beforehand where we see things we see what looks to be at first looks to be Bo's point of view because at first I thought like okay this is some like long lost like tormented brother that like the mother like like abused and locked in the attic for the rest of his life that like basically like we don't talk about this guy anymore and and uh, but then what this plot twist that happens it turns out it might have been Bo. Yeah, I, w- I was having trouble understanding that part completely because when he gets locked in the attic too, he sees the, I'm, I kid you not, a literal penis. Giant with penis giant with a face teeth on it. And with spider-like arms as, yeah, it's it's crazy, guys. I don't know. It's trippy. I think that's supposed to be a allegory about the father too because like all he knows about the dad is the penis all he knows about it is that he he died while ejaculating and also like and then the assassin comes back to stab it clear basically like as a another like metaphor for repression i was gonna say that it's like such a clear um it's so clear the influence of Charlie Kaufman and even Michael Gondry in that particular like, scene. Like I, I, I definitely like saw a bit of a Mal- John Malkovich in that one. Yeah, because it, it gets insane. Because uh, as we mentioned earlier, he has like an assassin trying to attack him. He ends up barreling through the window. That's that's the reason why the device is on him too, as a tracker. Yeah, and then the the assassin comes in, but gets killed by the penis because the penis like stabs yeah. him with a spider leg or something. <laughs> yeah, that scene is insane, dude. I was like, what is yeah, going on? And, but I love. And I'm might like, add, and might I add, in the scene, Bo sees himself as an old man, which had which was a visual, an image that had been seen earlier on in the film during the during the the scene in the forest fantastic age makeup on Joaquin Phoenix by the way this should get nominated he for has like a, if this doesn't get uh, nominated I know it won't, I'm, but 
I don't know what to say. He, he, but he has like this, he's now like basically like the Santa Claus mixed with a member of ZZ Top. He has this giant beard on him with like these, these baggy eyes and he's, he's elderly. And that's the image that you see on the poster as well. Cause like this, he basically like sees himself as like, what has, what has basically happened the rest of his life. And the way I interpreted, I don't know if you interpreted it this way, but I think he, I think Bo, I think his last moments were in the attic. I think this might have been, I think this might have been the, the fantasy that he had. This, everything that transpired, like, right, like, as he lay dying, as his mother locked him in. I actually Which didn't, is pretty terrifying. I didn't think about that, but now that you mention it, that could be a reason why he sees an older version of himself locked in there, right? Because yeah. maybe he never got out and he just had to stay there for the rest of his life. Yeah, I don't think he got out ever. Could really. be. I, I, I'm of the interpretation that he did get out and then proceeds to kill his mom, right? Yeah, and although the thing is when he like confronts once he confronts her it's he doesn't really kill her he like tries to strangle her at first to and then and then crashes her into a into a into a piece of glass but then he stops and then he he starts looking zombie like and he's like uh, with this with another kind of funny image of the film where he just yeah like looks like uh, the whole time as even and then once he stops and like walks out <laughs> i don't know if you noticed that but he still like keeps that that ghastly expression on his face like as he's walking out definitely and yeah. like escaping that's why i was like what parts of that scene were real and what didn't happen because i i do i i'm i came out of that scene thinking he killed his mom right but then yeah. we get the next almost, scene though right oh my god yeah what he at first already a very an absolutely hypnotic moment of Bo, like getting getting on a getting on a boat and swimming away and then he turned and then the lights come on and he's in a stadium this part it, like, this part like the yeah. sea world stadium this part reminded this part reminded me of Truman Show for sure. Like it was a clear, yeah, definitely yeah. with him with him coming with him like escaping the situation by like going on water and finding a dead end, and and he base and he gets quite literally put on a mass trial, and this the, might I add this also reminded me a lot of I don't know if you seen or listened to uh pink floyd's the wall but this is like one of the last one of the last tracks on the album is the trial and it's essentially like all the people in his life like trying to find him guilty and we see like hear all the image all the sound bites of like of like the mother the unfaithful wife the school teacher manager like everybody and this scene is like kind of played in Bo's afraid kind of plays out similarly because we have we have we obviously have his mother on the prosecution side along with um um, his his um, her attorney played by Richard Kind and on the other side we see the um, ill-fated defense attorneys from a distance right they're like trying to defend yeah and then he and then he gets like and then he and then like right as that happens right as he's about to make his statement he gets knocked down and like 
falls on a rock midsummer style. Yeah. And then, yeah. then Bo's like, oh! <laughs> so, and yeah, I want to ask this, Connor, about that. Something. Yeah, about that last scene. Like, do you think he actually died then? Or, like, I what think, happened there? I don't. I, I think I think it's all an allegory for him, like up, about his his own guilt, kind of overcoming him, and kind of devouring him as devouring his existence essentially. Because again, like as we see the defense getting literally and figuratively killed, he like no one because he's been he has he still has like so much of his mother in him. He can't. He's like he's like now quite literally like in a corner yeah and, and then he drowns i personally he's getting drowned in guilt as in the in yeah. the water yeah that's why like part of the reason i didn't take it literally like besides the fact that there's this huge stadium that all of a sudden surrounded yeah. him in the middle of and the ocean. with a and with a crowd too i think that could also symbolize a lot of um uh, mona wasserman's customers given that like this she's they're basically they're making a show out of this a media yeah. spectacle yeah i don't that... I, that's why i'm like i do think the mom is dead like i don't think she's alive there doing a whole like full-blown trial on Bo. like where i guess his punishment is he gets blown up and drowned like in a weird way where the boat is is kind of upside down upside down and that is the whole end credit sequence mm-hmm and that was one of the more memorable credit sequences I've seen in a while. Because too. as the audience that is watching Bo's trial leaves, so do the, the audience, audience of the movie theater. The audience of the theater leaves. I, I stay after the damn credits. I want to see who did this. Come on. Yeah, I, I stayed too just to see. Like, Not me. Like, is it literally just going to be this happens. boat like chilling in the water here? And it was. So. And it was. It was as like the star written and directed by Ari Aster, starring Joaquin Phoenix. Like, we're... It's a very You're memorable last up. shot too. Like I remember that shot like exactly how it was framed and stuff. So it, yeah. it was effective in some sort of way. I know yeah, I know that's the part though. A lot of people are going to either go with it or just be like what did I what what was that? That's the yeah, part that, I think that's going to that divide certain, the audiences. Yeah. Yeah, cuz it it is such a I that's like the moment where I like found out that I was like really speechless by the end of this. Like I don't I I like need to I like need a few days to fully take this one in because it was just such a trip and it was an experience of like of a lot of it was such a dense and like worth analyzing movie that I hadn't seen like in a long time really. Like I, I have, I haven't I seen film, a movie. This like one was this gonna too. age well. Yeah, this one was gonna age well. Like even, even if it's polarizing now, I feel like this is gonna become like discussed a lot. If any, and also, if any of name, his movies were to become like a cult classic per se, like I think this is. This the one. I know this is gonna be like a big cult phenomenon, honestly, and like almost like almost a Fight Club ish discussion on it. Mm-hmm. And might I add? The funny thing is, like, I've seen I've seen videos of um, like clips of uh, Ari Aster, Joaquin Phoenix, or or Martin Scorsese. Um, thank you for championing this film, by the way. Um, they like come to the theater for the Q and A, and the credits are still playing with the with the boat with the boat upside down, and, and it's just like and it's just like this is the time where they where they gotta discuss, and the the movie's essentially still going. 
That's funny. Yeah, they just came in like literally, I guess, in the middle of the ending, if you think about it. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Well, that about this... wraps it up for like our what spoiler you, thoughts, did, right? Yeah. Did you do you have any issues with the film? You know, like the reason I didn't give it like that five out of five on Letterboxd, yeah, I will say, I is I walked out of that theater not a hundred percent sure, like if like what I watched, I totally understood, and so that might be a, a yeah. thing on me. It actually is not on the movie. It's just it's such a yeah, dense, it's, it's such definitely a dense picture. Yeah, it's definitely one. Again, multiple viewings are required for this one. I don't think I got everything. I don't know if I even got like everything out of it, honestly, since with just a first viewing, I think this needs this again, at least a second or third watch in order to fully like dissect every single yeah. like symbol present. Yeah. Here. So that's like the thing, the, the confusion of like, did I get everything? That's where like, maybe there's a slight flaw with that. I guess you like, kind of like left... not like have that happening in this You're like sort of movie am i back now yeah you're back yeah i was just i was yeah, just saying was... it was just it's just one of those if it's not confusing you i'd be like you're one of the smartest people in the world because how can you get yeah that on a first try? i was like i was like not always i feel like i wasn't always like confused by the film as much as i was like kind of trying to like piece everything together more or less like the like a puzzle and I, for, surprisingly, like nobody, no, I, I didn't see like walkouts in my theater unless people were going in the bathroom during it. And I, it seems like my audience was a little more receptive to it than a lot of others, even though like the people in back of me were just like, what? And, and, and a couple people were like, did he die? And like already starting to like figure out their interpretations of it. Mm. Yeah, no, it's it, it is a ended. it is a very complicated movie, but really, really expertly directed and acted. And might I add, I didn't feel the three hour runtime personally. No, I didn't. I didn't really. I I didn't have like I know like some people like had issues with the runtime. I I didn't really. I thought honestly. I thought Tar, which is fifteen minutes shorter, felt way longer than this movie. Yeah. That, like, felt like an epic, too. Yeah, so if that puts it into context for people, like, do I go to this three-hour movie? Like, you're not going to feel the runtime, I assure you. And plus, and plus, see it in the theater, too, because of the way this film was directed and shot and sounded. Like, this is an immersive experience, without a doubt. One of the only only A24 IMAX movies you can... Yeah, I think it was the first first film of theirs to get an IMAX screening, because again as part of the big swing that this film was this this movie it's an epic in every sense of the term absolutely well that wraps up our thoughts on bo is afraid which was pretty beefy to say the least but yeah i don't it was I worthy think we, of it dude we, yeah we we could even dedicate another episode to it yeah if i'm being honest this is this was I think this this was my favorite. This is my favorite film of the year so far. This is it, this is I think my, I think it might be my favorite, dude. I think it is. I, I can definitively say that. Yeah, I mean, I guess like so far, like not much is out, but this is definitely we we obviously haven't seen Oppenheimer, Barbie, or pa- Past Lives, but this is 
this is a film where the, I think the hype paid off because this was one of my most anticipated films of the year, possibly of all time. Because I, I unfortunately did not, I was not lucky enough to see Hereditary or Midsummer on the big screen. Um, I did, I did see them like a like a year or two after, like a year after they came out. Mm-hmm. But and that's when I like really fell in love with both of those, and I this this I feel like this film like hit me immediately. I think I don't know if it's recency bias or just that this was just such a such a, like a such a just a masterful piece of work. Daring and, too, so bold, so bold for Ari Aster yeah, to this, do this because I, I know it was already an idea he had originally, but. This idea is this would is not a lot. this would not have this would not have gotten made ten or fifteen years ago. Definitely not. Hell no. Speaking Hell no yeah. Way. Speaking of uh, Hereditary and Midsummer, let's Here pivot to the last part of this episode, which we will be ranking Ari Aster's filmography up to this point. So we know like he's gonna make more movies in the future, but as of twenty twenty three, he's released three films, and we will be ranking each of them. So. I'm going to yeah. start off the list with my number three pick, which is Midsummer. Midsummer is my number three That's pick. That's actually mine, too. That's actually mine, too. Not because it's a bad film, per se. I Because this is also an excellent movie. I just... I will admit, hands down, that I did not love it on a first viewing. I did not... I didn't actually care for it that much when I first saw I'm it. I'm on like your a, boat, dude. Like, I, I watched this in I theaters. Was, I walked out of the theater like, I don't know if I liked that one. And I let it sit, yeah. though. I did let it sit, and it got better. That's that's with me, too. I, I like, didn't... Because when I first saw the film, I was... First of all, like, that was a movie where, like, at first, when I first saw the film, I was a little put off by... The, that, that film felt longer, I think, than Bo. Absolutely. For me, at least, Absolutely. Way back when I watched I first it in a theater, it. and I remember being Lucky. like, "This is this is a slower burn than Hereditary was." Yeah, and I also like when I did see it, I didn't love the side characters as much as um as a uh, Florence Pugh and um uh Jack Rayner's like main relationship, Danny and Christian, and I felt like it kind of should have focused more on that, and that. Midsummer, from what I recall, was a similarly polarizing film, like kind of a love it or hate it to Bo, even though it's significantly grown in stature since. And I also, this was, I think this might have been just me. I don't know if it was just me or this move. The ending, as memorable as it was, it felt like The Wicker Man. Yeah, it it didn't feel... It was a memorable ending, but it felt like The Wicker Man. Out of all of his other works, it didn't feel as original as, as It's the not others. quite as original, even though it's similarly bold. Like, I can't deny Let's that. See. Ooh. Con God got disconnected you there? here. Let's see if he comes back. I think you just broke up again. Hello? Are you back? Yeah. You're back. You're back. What were you saying just now? I was talking about like how like this film is like similarly bold, but I don't think quite as original as his other works, which is why I still have it at the bottom. That being said, like that that is such a disturbing fucking movie. And like as soon as I first saw it, like it it I'll admit it terrified. If we me. were doing uh, Ari Ari Aster's most disturbing movies, I I think I'm putting Midsummer as number one. 
I'm not gonna it's lie. It's certainly it's certainly like his bloodiest, like most like like deeply just depraved movie. Yeah. Like this is not one to watch an empty stomach and the act the and again, like this is as with his other works, like this is just a just a technically perfect film like one of the best like sculpt best like shot scored sounded films i've like seen yeah in the past few years this is this is like on the level of kubrick without a doubt with some of the long also takes too, and wide angles i, I have to imagine and with the, the lack of dialogue and it's also quite a funny film at times similarly to bow Definitely. I have to mention this. It has a trip scene in the movie that I think might go down as one of the best trip scenes in all of cinema. Yeah. Because of how expertly accurate it is, one, but how it kind of plays with the visuals a little bit, but not to the point of, like, we're doing the whole, like, we're seeing uh, Guy Fieri's head, you know? Yeah, this is not like um, uh, the the 21 Jump Street, like, acid trip scene where he turns into an ice cream cone. Or 80 for Brady. Apparently there's a scene where they take, like, acid and they start seeing Guy Fieri's head in other people, and I'm just like, that's not really how it works, but okay. Really? Yeah. It, it's still it's still it's still funny at least. But but I have to um, agree with you. The side characters are very forgettable in Midsummer. And Yeah, I think they probably could have been like cut down a little. And maybe like just been about like the two of them, like Danny and Christian just going to going to the going to the island in Sweden. Yeah, and I'm not sure you mentioned this, but like you kind of mentioned the pacing earlier. I thought the setup was too slow in that movie because I remember watching I don't think in the, it was the theater. Setup as... I wanted it to go, you know. Yeah, I don't. I didn't. The setup as much like wasn't really. I. I. I feel like. I feel like it like took a little longer to for it to really like. Like get to the get to the finale. Really, I felt like it was the second half was a little when it like started to lose me just slightly, um, but like other than that, like this is. It's it's a great film. I can't deny that, and I have I'll admit that a lot of my opinions on this film are based on me having just seen the theatrical cut. Um, I've heard most people who see the director's cut like say it's better. Really, it's like I need few, I need to catch. It's like that a one. half hour long. I need to catch the director's cut for Midsummer because I've only seen theatrical personally. Yeah, because I think I think A twenty four has a big, lovely like four K Blu ray set of it on on their website. Damn. So that I've heard like that's really worth the purchase if you can afford it. That being said, yes, because we all know a 24 merch. Um, my, my number two is, is actually Bo's afraid. Same dude. Okay. We have, this, wait, we have the same, we, ranking. we have the same Yo! ranking. Let's go. That's a first. That's a first for us. Uh, yeah. Bo's afraid. Yeah. What, like what, why is it your number two, Connor? I think I think it's because like first of all like this film like just impressed me so much like right I feel like hereditary that that and hereditary which is both of our number ones um, I feel like those I think like hit me harder on a first viewing than Midsummer really if we're gonna make the comparison I think like immediately when I saw both of those films I was like this is a masterpiece. Yeah, I didn't feel uh, as uh, as much the runtime with Bo's Afraid, even though it is a longer picture. So I think yes, that has to be three said, hours, which is probably why I ranked it ahead. And also I must, I, I don't know. I just, 
I like movies that I don't know where it's going, and for some reason, yeah, I feel I like love, mid- I love psychological. I feel stuff like Midsummer. Like I could kind of get a gist because I've seen horror movies in the past, like, but Bo's Afraid, I like, could not like, predict it at all. Yeah, but yeah, like Bo might be like his boldest, like one of his most original visions yet. Um, we've already discussed that enough, so I think we, I think we better talk about Hereditary. I agree. Number one, Hereditary. Hereditary. Hereditary might be the best American horror film of the century. I think I think it's my it it might be this is a hot take, Connor. It might be my favorite horror movie of all time. I've seen I've seen I've seen a lot of great horror movies. I don't know what it is about that one. Every time I watch it, I get psychologically psychologically fucking terrified when I watch that movie. Yeah, that I, that's one of the first films I watched during the lockdown, and that that was one of the, like one of the first ones I like needed to get to. Um, it chilled me. It really just deeply chilled me. Like as soon as I, I I've only I I don't even not want. I don't know if I even want to watch it a second time. I'm like I've thinking about the once. movie now, and I'm getting chills, dude. Because yeah, I'm thinking of it's... that little girl's head getting eaten by little ants, dude. And I get freaked the fuck out, dude. Yeah, Ari Aster, first of all, like, another picture that would not have gotten made by a studio. Definitely not. Um, And not a picture that was ever going to get a huge budget to it. But it's, it's just... It reminded me of, like, why those pictures from the 70s, those horror pictures from the 70s, like... The Exorcist, and why they were just so effective, and why they were just and The Shining especially, which is I I'm willing to bet like that's the template for pretty much every A twenty four horror film is The Shining. Yeah, and the although Ari Aster also cited Ordinary People, Kramer versus Kramer, and like family drama as an influence on it as well, so it's not really scary just because um okay first of all it, the the fact that you like seeing a kid's head dead head and seeing possessed tony collette banging on the banging her head like that's already like creepy as hell on its own but to add that layer of just a dysfunctional family to and like that generational trauma to the like actual conventional horror that's i think what makes it like it's not just like scary but it's like actually like emotionally powerful very emotionally resonant and resonant to the point where i cannot i cannot walk out of that dinner scene with tony collette and and view that actress the same way Uh, no i literally saw that scene and i was like she she needs to win the oscar she should have won a fucking Oscar. She gives one of the, maybe even the best performance I've ever seen in a horror film. Period. That's not even, this, yeah, dude, I agree. I agree. That's not even a hot take, it's honestly. Not, not. And I feel like this, this, when I think of like how to do modern horror, because uh, I know like a, I know like elevated horror has become a bit of a dirty word now because it's become prevalent. But I, the first examples I think of are like this and the Babadook and how to make like actually like really uh, both like scary and just powerful horror pictures. 
to this day that transcend the genre i think i think you could show this to people who don't even like horror films and you could just say like that's a good ass movie like that's an academy award worthy movie every time i've watched it with a a group of people because it is one of those like oh you haven't seen hereditary like let's let's watch it every time i ask them like what they thought about the movie after they're always like they're just like uh disturbing very disturbing they look like they 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 probably look like they've seen a ghost. They look like they've seen a ghost when they 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 mentioned it. two things. One, holy fuck, that was disturbing, and two, that was a great movie with good acting, really really well like, shot. Yeah. Like it has it's all like the better, things that a good movie has. Let's let's face it, it's better made than most horror movies. It it, it transcends the genre. Can you even compare Hereditary I for most to of... like I don't know like a Scream Six that got released? This I don't year? think you. Yeah, this is certainly a better movie than Smile or The Pope's Exorcist or, I don't know, uh, fucking... The Pope's Exorcist starring Russell Crowe. I don't know, this is a better movie than fucking Ouija. And that, I think, that that Hereditary, The Witch, Babadook, like, that and the brandon cronenberg movies like though and 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 the julie docano films like ron teton and let the right one in as well like that uh, is a good like precursor to that movement those i feel like are what got i feel like that's what got me like excited about horror again and because like when i was a teenager when i well when i was in like middle school i i had watched the classics like like Nightmare on Elm Street, um, Halloween, the Universal Monster films, uh, and like Texas Chainsaw. I loved those, and The Exorcist. I loved those, and had really like already gotten like such a primer on like how you do the genre really right because I had seen the the like the t- the top tier horror pictures. But I feel like something like Hereditary and like the newer stuff. I feel like is on par with the the, the classics. I'd agree, dude. I think. I, I don't know how much Ari more Aster's... I can say, but it's a debut, Connor. What has been it's said. It's a debut. What... Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. dude. And I feel like, but I also feel like a lot of that came from Bo, the, not Bose, because Bose is one of his short films. Uh, Ari Aster's experience with already making some very fascinating and remarkable short films. The, the strange thing about the Johnsons is probably the most known and probably definitely another is like similarly dark work that definitely foreshadowed a lot of the themes you would tackle later on especially Bo's afraid um they Ari Aster I feel like he was he is definitely uh, somebody to watch out for he's he I think is probably and Scorsese knows this because he's championed a lot of his films um, filmmakers know this. It's he's already having an influence. It's and almost I, to the I'd point. To say Connor, he's one of the greats now. It's almost to the point where he's not uh, a genre. Like he no. doesn't make genre films. No. He makes his own genre. If that makes sense. Like yeah, he's not he, just he strictly horror. It, it's just an Ari Aster movie, which could mean horror, could mean comedy, could mean drama, could mean whatever Bo is afraid was. Yeah, he like, says, which he... is in many cases like everything. It's I mean it's like honestly, ev- honestly, like everything you could honestly like Bo is afraid is an action film. It's a comedy. It's a horror film. It's a it's it's a romance, and it's and it delves into science fiction 
fantasy. Like, it's... Bo's Afraid is, like, everything. Yeah, but it, the thing is, too, that makes Ari such a great filmmaker is meshing all those genres while also, like, getting to the basics of, like, a good horror movie doesn't need jump scares all the fucking time. No! Right? You no, can, it you needs can, to actually you can have imagery disturbing. of Tony Collette in the ceiling in the dark crawling walls her head. and that'll freak me out like effectively enough you don't need her like flashing a scary face and boom the sound gets yeah out. no he's he's he like knows he Ari Aster is one of the, the the few like filmmakers today who like really in, in Hollywood who actually expects so much intelligence of his audience and in that respect like his films become like all the more rewarding for somebody who like knows the genre and even people who like aren't fans of the genre can I think watch an Ari Aster movie and be like that was powerful yeah yeah I haven't heard anyone and that's what... tell me like that guy's movies are not for me because even when they're not for them they can find something to like, enjoy out of it like, like at least there's like something to respect about it almost like reminds me not everybody likes David Lynch not everybody likes say like I don't know like Lars von Trier, like somebody like that, or like Gaspar Noe, if we want to go with a more extreme example, or Darren Aronofsky, and or even Julie Ducourneau, and they'll and even like people who don't like their films, like even I can admit, like they have visions. They have they don't have they don't not have talent. Yeah, Ari Aster, like we've been saying, one of the most talented American filmmakers to come out recently. Working today, yeah, certainly, and he is a valuable part of this film movement that is i i think is still going now especially given that a24 has gotten moonlight and everything everywhere like a couple of best pictures under their belt i feel like i feel like th we are still very much in a movement for in for especially for independent film and for genre films and we i i i i'd pain to see like the time when Cause I, cause I hope like this movement like doesn't have like a sudden end with a big flop and then, and then Hollywood and then like Hollywood studios really start to take control and just Kevin Feigeify every movie. I'm a little because I want to. I want to. I feel yeah. like I feel like I feel like that's what happened in the '80s as kind of a side effect of like as much as we we Spielberg and Lucas Star Wars. Oh, amazing my favorite movie jaws amazing one of my favorite movies I, as a side effect of the success of the blockbuster and i know quentin tarantino has said this and i don't agree with everything he said but like this is one thing like as as great as the 80s films were like it was not it was the one of the worst decades that like we weren't getting like a lot of really challenging films like we are like with a24 and with ari aster that wouldn't have gotten made back then because like the reagan era was in full swing yeah and commercialism i think i i, I kind of want to wrap this conversation with this you not just you as like a general like people like us everyone needs to go to bo's afraid or else Ari Aster will not be getting thirty-five million again. I hope not. I hope. I hope. I hope. I hope it doesn't flop. I, I really I, I, hope even it doesn't. I, know it, uh, I, I went it to my theater, will. bro, and it got me concerned. It got me concerned. Yeah. So please like, go out and, and see it. Like, please go out and see it. That's the way plus, you save these types of movies. Is you, yeah, you buy the ticket. 
Yeah, and plus this movie, I, 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 Mario is a fine enough movie. I I, I saw it. I, I had a decent time for ninety minutes. Everybody went to see that. I don't think everybody like thirty years from now is going to be talking about how great the Mario movie is. Yeah, yeah different, different, like different really type, nostalgic. different type of movie, obviously. But one you know for sure is gonna be okay if you don't go to it, right? Bo's afraid is yeah. straight up. If you don't go to it, you might not see these movies again. Like this is, I don't think we've had a movie like Bo's Afraid come out at least like in at least two like hundreds of theaters. Because uh, it's such so. a swing. I don't know if I we'll ever this, see that. I again. honestly think this is a harder or like a more bold like. Not bold per se, but it's definitely a tougher vision to give money to than even everything everywhere. I would say. Yeah, probably. Because Bo's afraid it doesn't it doesn't care about catering to a certain audience base or anything. No. No. Yeah, and that's what I like kind of respect about a lot of these these like really great filmmakers is that they don't really like clearly like something like Mario or Quantumania was like pretty focus grouped, but. I don't think Ari Aster gives a damn about test audiences. No, as he he should just keep doing his thing because he clearly has got talent. And not only does he have talent, but has a great crew to back up his pictures now where he, yeah, he's getting and, fantastic and, casts each time, I have to say. Yeah, and even if even if you like – even if like you really don't like the film, that like honestly – honestly, it'll lead to like even more interesting discussions and about – a picture like this, I feel like something like Bo and Ari Aster's pictures and the A24 pictures and everything everywhere, I feel like when, like, you know, in the 70s, we, we, we all know the Godfather, Jaws, Star Wars, The Exorcist, Alien. I feel like that is probably going to be the A24 films that are coming out now. That's going to be like, what was American cinema like back then? And then they'll be like, that stuff. That stuff that mixed the with shit. obviously the big budget with, with, temples, right? With 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 like a few of the temples, like Spider Verse or like I don't know, like Gone Girl, like those, like that's this kind of stuff that ends up, or Christopher Nolan's movies, like those are the kinds of stuff that ends up lasting for sure. Well, I just want to say thanks to the audience for making it this far. I know it was a little bit long because guess what. Ari Aster is a very good filmmaker, and we must discuss his. Yes, thing. and and his movie, his last movie, was certainly dense enough for an hour and a half long episode. Yeah, our next episode, we were thinking of. There are a couple of movies that are getting released, including Polite Society, uh, which I'm very much looking forward to. Um, it is a. It just came out of Sundance. Um, there's another film called RMN that I'm excited about. I'm I. I have not actually seen that director's work. And in addition, you'll add it. Yeah, Connor and I also watched Air, which I think we, we should add to because we might be reviewing that briefly on the next yeah, episode. Yeah, we both thought it was we both thought it was quite good. Pretty solid. But we the big one though, for at least for me, because this is my this is my favorite horror franchise of all time, Evil Dead Rise. Evil Dead Rise, guys. If I just recently watched it, I thought it was very good i had a good time at the theater i'm gonna go watch it based on your recommendation and i also had another friend totally totally loved that movie so i'm gonna yeah, go check it out evil evil the evil dead movies like even 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 the remake like that stuff like that's a series that doesn't really disappoint i wonder what ranking we will do for that episode yeah mm -hmm. yeah we'll know yeah All right. hail to the king baby
Yes, sir. All right. Well, that that is it for this episode. Thanks again. And yeah, catch you next time on Before Showtime with Connor and Marcello.